That's how it sounded. It sounded like he was barking a melody. I have something very important to say. Okay. She thinks my tractor's sexy. (laughs) (laughs) I have something really important to say as well. It really turns her on. (laughs) Not as important as what I had to say, but a close second. It was a good follow-up. It was. It was. Thank you. I came up with it myself, obviously. (laughs) There's no, like, intellectual property laws or anything. (laughs) (laughs) We sue Kenny Chesney for creating a song that invades our brains. (sighs) Well, how we doing, y'all? (laughs) Y'all. How are your tractors today? Still Do you sexy. think they're sexy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am. It feels tired. like it's been eighty-four years since we last recorded because it, re- it does. It kind of has been. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, really, I'm. I can't do math in my head that fast. I'm a hundred and two. So you're a hundred and four. I don't know how old I am. Fine. I know how old you are because you just <laughs> got old. I know. You're 30, Beach. Isn't that cr- I feel like I'm we didn't get a lady. chance. Right? And I don't feel like we really got a chance to talk about that or, like, celebrate, like, the milestone of it when you were here. Because we were doing so many other things. I know. We had so much stuff planned. But then we ended up packing instead, which is fine because it was still really fun it was uh, it, we made it fun and i think that like it wouldn't have been that fun if we hadn't it would have been the three of us you know yeah i agree yeah so i feel like i forgot how to do this i don't know what to talk about me too i was just gonna say like how you do and the, like how yeah how are you feeling should we talk about the trip or the trip it was your trip but should we talk about like your visit? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, um, what did a... you do? Who did you see? <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. Honestly, it feels like it was a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. even though it was just like last week, two weeks ago, Lit- um, like a, a week ago. I saw. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, I saw you. <laughs> yes. Well, so for people who don't know, um, Haley had a wedding to go to in Boston and then came home yeah. to visit and then drive back with her sister to Oregon um, from Pennsylvania. Yes. So correct. that's kind of the gist of it. And basically, I told Haley that since she was at the wedding with her dad and her sisters, like her family that's here, that I didn't care what what. She said that all of the days that she had free, I would be kidnapping her, and I succeeded. Yeah, and we originally thought it was just going to be one day, but it ended up Mm -hmm. being two, which was nice, and it was needed because there was a lot of packing still to be done, so, and we got it done, and we worked it out. We fucking rocked the shit out of that, and even though... Like, it was shorter than I would have wanted. Just the extra day made a huge difference. Like, I mean, technically it was like two and a half days. 
Yeah. Because that first day that you got here, we got to just go out to dinner and dye your hair, which, by the way, looks lovely. How Are you still liking it? Yes, I'm still liking it. I yes. didn't wash it for like good. a week afterwards just to make sure. <laughs> That's always crazy. a good plan. That's okay. Dress shampoo yes. is a thing. Also hats because you're a hat person. I fucking love hats. <laughs> you're a person made entirely out of hats. You are 87 yes. cowboy hats stacked upon each other. <laughs> and that's why you think okay my tractor's that, sexy. I mean, if it fits. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It does. Um, what was I going to so say? So, as far oh. as... Um, I was telling you before we started that I had, like, a list of stuff I wanted to tell you on the podcast that I didn't want to forget about. Um, So, this doesn't have anything to do with the trip, but it's something that happened before I left that I don't think I told you about. I don't fully remember, but um, at the hotel that I work at, I know, horrible of me. But if it's Um, for the pod, I'm okay with it. Yeah. So the hotel I work at, all the housekeepers have like a list of the rooms that they think are haunted. And I was cleaning one of them like a day or two before I left for my trip. And so I have like a system when I clean a room. Are you frozen? No, I'm just listening very intently. Oh, okay. Sorry. Am I frozen? I'm moving my head side to side. Can you see it? I think you were for a second, but it's better now. Oh, okay. I was sitting here very still, just listening very intently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so long story short, I just have like this system that I do every time I go into a room where I make the bed, take everything off the counter so it's not plugged in, and put it on the bed so I can wipe every single surface. And I did this in this room. It was room 115. And then I put everything back in its place and restocked everything. And as I was cleaning the floors, I looked at, there's like this long island thing to the right when you come in the door. And there was like this black ring, like someone had set down like a really dirty cup. And I was like, okay, maybe I put one of my cleaner bottles there. Because I do that sometimes and like the bottoms can get a little rough sometimes. Um, So I wiped it off. And then I continued on, and I found two more. One of them was in the back room that I definitely wiped down. And they were, like, black rings. Oh, my God. And I don't know what it was, but when you said room 115, it automatically, like, the room number gave me a bad vibe. I don't really necessarily have an association with that, but when you said that, I was like, ew, that just sounds like a gross room number. I don't know why, but, ooh, that's freaky. I thought yeah. you were going to say, like, things that you know you, uh, like, put on the bed, off the counters, ended back up on the counters. But the black rings, that's almost scarier because you don't know what it's from. Right. Like, I could have explained it away if it was just one, but it was three. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. Haunted. Definitely. How long has that hotel yeah. been there? It's been there for a very long time. It hasn't always been the same hotel. Um, I think it's always been like some kind of like lodging though. So Mm -hmm. it's probably got some stories. (laughs) Yeah. And like spirits can attach themselves to like the grounds or the lodging or the people or whatever. So that's creepy. 
Yeah, we we used to have a housekeeper working there that she was in there and she said she heard like pounding on the wall, but there was nobody in the room next to her. No. Um, and after that, she like refused to go into that room. So Ooh, gross. Definitely Brody. haunted as, as fuck. <laughs> Which is also kind of cool. And like, I feel like I'd rather have a haunting than like a serial killer or someone really alive because we don't necessarily know if hauntings can really hurt people or not, but it's spooky oogie either way. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So let me move down my list here. Um, Should I be taking my I had the minutes? whole, um, definitely. Okay, I added this to the list because, paper. um, as it was happening, it was really pissing me off. But the whole Danny Masterson thing oh with Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis and their their letters, I was fucking furious. I am so disappointed. And then my grandma told me, because I was talking to my grandma and my mom about it, that you know how Ashton Kutcher was doing a lot with like um, trying to stop human trafficking? He had, like, a foundation for it. Yeah, he has, like, a it. whole organization for it. Yeah. He had to step down from being, like, the head of it. He had to resign because he was getting so much As hate. As he should. Right, exactly. How How the fuck yeah. are you going to run an organization that tries to prevent sex crimes against people and then, like, give a thumbs up to a sexual predator? I, it, there, it doesn't track, exactly. so and whatever. I, and I watched their... Um... Yeah, in their, I I don't remember exactly what they said, Ashton and Mila in their video, but they were basically like, we thought these were going to be private and we're so sorry. And like, you're sorry because they were leaked. Like, you're not sorry you wrote them. Right. You're you know? literal celebrities, dude. You don't think that that's going to fi- get to the public some way or another? Yeah. It's just you're disgusting. You're sorry valid. At this point, it yeah. is. And for the for all of the women on the show to support him. Did Laura like, Preppen support him? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he was. Really? That Topher Grace was the only one on the whole show. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to look it up. But what I heard was it was all of them except for Topher. I was really sad to hear that. Um, what's her name? Deborah Jo Rupp, I think, who played Kitty. Yes. And mm-hmm. the actor who played Red. I don't know if he did. Mm-hmm. Actually, but I saw a letter that uh, she wrote, which is just heartbreaking, honestly. It is. And I don't know, it could be that she's from an older generation, too, which is no excuse. But, like, Mila Kunis, I would have never thought that she would. She seems pissed in the video, so I feel like she's kind of being forced to do it. So, I don't know. It's all so much. And, like, here's the thing. Regardless of, like, what contracts you have or whatever, I would break any contract to stand up for what I believed it, believe in. Definitely. And I don't care if someone's trying to quote-unquote force me. The only thing you can do to, like, actually force me is, like, kill me and put animatronics in my body and make it seem like I'm talking. Totally. And, like... So... I saw... My For You page on TikTok was, like, full of this for a while, but someone made a really good point that... Brock Turner got three to six months for what he did. And Danny Masterson is like a extremely famous 
celebrity, like rich white man. And he got 30 years, even with those letters, like what it's so fucked up what he must have done. Right. Outside and of what's then, been shared. That, right. Ugh. I don't understand. I'm surprised he got that much with all the money that he has. I know. And Scientology but, too. I figured they would have paid, oh, yeah, but, paid someone off. Yeah, and I'm and I'm like ninety eight percent sure that Laura Preppen is a Scientologist as well. So if she didn't she support left. him, I w- she left. Yeah, she left a oh. long time ago, I think. Let me see. Oh. Okay, I'm behind on this apparently. Will you when you're while you're doing that, will you look to see if um she did support him? Yeah. Five years ago she left. And I think it's because she had a kid and she didn't want the kid to be raised in that. So Laura Preppen hasn't issued a response to um Danny Masterson's trial or conviction. Um and it's unlikely she ever will. But she quietly cut ties with Scientology in twenty sixteen. Um Right after his sexual assaults were reported to the police. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, I was really upset because I love her as an actor and in that 70s show and in Orange yeah. is the New Black. So I'm really glad that there's nothing, like, we don't have anything that's saying that she is in support of him. Because that would break my heart. She did help silence one of his victims, though. When she was in Scientology. <sighs> Which, people can totally... Ch- that's super fucked up, but she might be, like... She's out of right. it now. It's like a... It's a cult, so... It's a brainwashing situation, yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to make excuses for her, but she might be, like... Right. Completely... That... Regretting right. it. That was the first thing that came to my mind as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, my For You page was, like, full of videos of Ashton Kutcher making like really gross jokes about waiting for Hillary Duff to turn 18 and like all this shit. Jesus. It's just like when Machine Gun Kelly had that interview where he was like talking about how hot Kylie Jenner was and he was like 22 and she was like 16 and he's like, it doesn't matter. She's a celebrity. No, it fucking matters. She's a child. I honestly, That's people disgusting. ride or die for MGK no matter what, and I just, I don't get it. He grosses me out. Yeah, and he's not very good. And, like, one diss track from Eminem, and he goes crying back to punk instead of rap. Mm-hmm. Bitch boy. His music is fine. It's not anything I'm gonna, like, listen to by myself, but if I hear it, I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, so I have a few more things, and then we can get into what this episode is, but I, I feel like I need to catch everybody up on my life. <laughs> yes, please do. And my thoughts. Because everything else we recorded was in two days and it was like a month ago. So. Yeah. So when Madison and I did the drive, we took kind of like a Northern route because the first time we did it, we went through like just straight through the middle of the country. Um, and we wanted to see something new. So we ended up staying, um, in a hotel in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And we stayed there specifically because uh, Marshall Erickson from How I Met Your Mother is from there. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't even realize there's a move. No, 
I'm sorry, the movie's called Charlie St. Cloud. It has nothing to do with St. Cloud, Minnesota, I don't think. Ignore me completely. <laughs> um, but the hotel we stayed at, it was super cute. I, I forget the name of it. It doesn't matter. But I um, walked into the room. Well, no, I walked in to check in and... I called the number because they, there was nobody at the front desk and they had a number to call and she came up and I was like, I'm just checking in. I have a reservation for one night. She didn't ask for my ID. She didn't ask for my debit card. She just handed me keys. And like any other experience I've had at a hotel, they want to like see everything to make sure you are who you say you are. And, um, I thought that was weird. So I went up to the room, Madison and I went up to the room, and I realized that um, the door, it had a deadbolt, but it didn't have one of those latches above it. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, I didn't remember ever seeing um, a hotel like that. Like, it always mm-hmm. had that latch. Yes. So I started overthinking about it, and I was like, she was really sweet, and she asked what we were in the area for, and I told her that we were driving from Pennsylvania to Oregon. So I was like, she knows that we're like not anywhere close to home. Um, yeah. and that we're two women alone. So I was, I started freaking out and I called Logan and I explained everything to him. And he's like, yeah, that's definitely like really weird. You should go talk to her and like, see what she says. Um, so eventually I did because I just couldn't stop overthinking. Um, yeah. So I went down there and I brought it up to her and she immediately was like, this town is so small. You're going to be fine. I've lived here for 25 years and nothing's ever happened. La-di-da. And I'm like, okay, well, I've never been here and I don't know you. You could be lying right, to and me. That's, that's how the start of like every serial killer murderer documentary starts. Yeah. So, um, I kind of just like listened to her for a second. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm going to block the door. Like, I'm not just going to leave it. But as we were walking back up the stairs, she yelled up the stairs at us and was like, and if anybody really wanted to get into your room, they they could just kick the door down. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know that I'm uncomfortable. You know that I'm uncomfortable. I made it so clear. And you're going to say that? Yeah, that's not cool. Wow. Wow. And obviously nothing happened, but, like, I took one of those, uh, like, the big lounge chairs that's in some hotel rooms, and I wedged it under the door handle, and then, uh, I took the, the luggage rack thing, and I wedged it in between the, the chair and the wall, so if the door did get open, it wouldn't be able to open far, and then I put a bunch of stuff on the luggage rack that would make a bunch of noise if it fell, Cause I was so scared. I would be scared too. Like uh, the door latch thing. If it's a small town, it, was it like a motel? Yeah. More than a hotel. I can somewhat understand that. I feel like everyone should upgrade with those safety precautions with the way the world is. But for her not to ask for your ID or debit card. It was weird. And I've I wonder never... like maybe we were her only reservation because the hotel was pretty empty. Even then, know. though, like, most places have a policy where you have to get that in case there's an incident so they know who the hell you are. Yeah. It was I spe- really weird. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. weird. Did you tell her your name when you said you had a reservation? No. 
Nope. What? She just said, here's the keys? Yeah. She, you and were I'm like, wondering... hey, I have a reservation for a night. Yeah. And I'm wondering, this is probably not the case, but the way that my brain works, I'm wondering if we actually were in danger and me going and talking to her, like, kept them from doing anything. You know? Because yeah. we were I mean... alert. I, that's I'm not, not saying case, that but you're that's wrong. It's probably life. not the case. I, I feel like maybe she just sucks at her job because to I could walk in there and be like, hi, I've got a reservation for one night and they just give me keys. What if I didn't even pay for it? Yeah. Like to not even ask your name? What? Yeah. Weird. I don't like that. No. It was very weird. You should find out the name so no one ever stays there again because that's fucking sketchy. I mean, outside of all that, that experience with that one lady. True. Uh, it could have been, she just was, sucked at her job. It was a super cute place. Like, it was a little outdated, but it was clean, and that's all that matters to me. Right. Um, but, okay, so on to the next one. <laughs> I'm almost done. So, we were in Montana, and we had to take a detour so we weren't really on like a main highway but we were stopping at like a lot of pull-offs to like just get out and look and like take some pictures and at one point we got out and I took a bunch of photos and Madison took some pictures and we got back in the car and we realized that Madison was driving and her maps had closed out and we were in a dead zone um so we were like, let's just keep driving and like, we know where we're going, la-di-da. Since when? <laughs> I like, so in the middle in of the Montana mount- mountains? No. Mm-mm. Um, we got to this intersection and I'm like, uh, the route looked like it had us going south, so let's turn left. And then, thank God, like 15 minutes past that turn. I got service and was able to see that we went the wrong way, but we almost got, like, incredibly lost. <laughs> that is terrifying, dude. No, uh-uh. I don't like the idea of being lost. Do you... Okay, you need to put a map in your glove box. Yeah. Because you could at least figure it out that way. I mean, maps kind of suck to read, honestly. Like, I understand how to read one, but they still kind of suck unless there's landmarks. But the fact yeah. that you were like, I think we were going south. Which way were you supposed to go <laughs> at the turn? Like, were you supposed to turn the opposite way or go straight? We were supposed to turn right. <laughs> Let's trust Oopsie. the person with a, with with a memory that sometimes can be a little goldfishy. <laughs> you know, well, let's just it was like, it felt a little, <laughs> it felt a little bit safer because there were like there were cars on the road. There weren't a ton, but like there were cars going the way the the left hand way. The so left like, way. These cars, <laughs> <laughs> these cars are going somewhere. We're going where they're going. Like as long as there's people around, we're not completely lost i guess is how it felt right but, you just end up at yeah. like the biggest church of scientology that's ever existed in the middle of <laughs> the montana mountains and you're like shit oh, no. there were people here but not the right people okay that's my worst nightmare 
being lost while driving. No, thank you. Okay, I'm ready. Do you remember in the nostalgia episode where I talked about the game that I played that was like mm-hmm. the kids, the trick-or-treating kids? It's a real game, and it was on Nickelodeon's website. Do you know what it's called? Um, I don't, but they, it wasn't on there for very long because I guess it traumatized like a shit ton of kids. Yeah, probably because <laughs> it was the jump scare one. Like if you did something wrong, you got yelled at or what was it exactly? It was three kids came up to your door to trick or treat. And at the bottom of the screen, you saw an option of like what, what candy to give them. And if you gave them black licorice, their faces would get super downturned and like really scary. And the background would get all dark and like lightning would strike and shit and they'd be like that would definitely scare I me. don't like black licorice and then they'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, wonder, there's a playthrough I'm... on youtube if anybody wants to see it send, it's you not send that it scary but as a kid <laughs> yeah I well will. the the freaking sound at the beginning of the vhs tapes used to scare me so that probably would have scared <laughs> me too i think we've talked about that was it on here that we talked about it? The VHSs? Yeah. At the beginning of the at, of v- so. old VHS tapes, it would be like the three... I think it was like THX. And it would like come in from the back and like zoom forward and it'd go... <laughs> Dude, it's, it's not that like ghost moany. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Okay. And if your TV like, was too loud, it would, like, blow out the speakers. Right, and even if you had it at a normal level, that ending part, and it was just, like, how it felt like it was approaching you, it always scared me. Like, just when I listened to that, I started to panic a little bit. <laughs> so I would, like, <laughs> I would, like, sit and either I would mute the TV until it was over, I'd sit and plug my ears. Oh, yes. my goodness. <laughs> and baby. <laughs> hey, Papa Poo Poo, I got a question for what? What up, Papa Pee Pee? What are you educating us on this week? Well, this week I was inspired. I was planning to do a cryptid, um, but I found a new reality show on Net... No, Discovery. Megan actually found it and we started watching it. And the background of it really intrigued me, so I looked into it. And what I'm going to educate you on today is called the Akali Experiment. But, um... All right. So, yes, this is this is called the Akali Experiment. And, like I said, I discovered it by watching this new reality show. I will tell you more about that later. But we're going to get right into it. Are you ready? I'm ready! So, in 1973... Mexican anthropologist Santiago Genovese, which is, I think, how you pronounce it, um, conducted an extreme experiment to investigate interpersonal relationships in conditions of limited space and social isolation. Along with... I'm uh-huh, Yes, I knew like you would nightmare. be. Um, it honestly sounds like probably most people's nightmare, except for people who have, like, extreme attachment-like needs. Um, I thought I was going to burp. I did not. 
along with the general idea of studying how the participants in, interacted in this limited, limited space and in social isolation, Genovese was interested in the sociology of violence, aggression, and sexual attraction in human behavior. Um, because this was in the 70s, I believe it was at the tail end of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So he was really like intrigued by the like the idea of violence and wondering like where it stems from. Um, he wanted to know what Real drove. Quick. Yes. Have you ever seen that movie? Fuck, what's it called? The Stanford Experiment. About the prison. Yeah, the prison experiment. Have you watched that movie? Yes, I'm pretty sure I have. If not the movie, I've seen documentaries on it. That shit is fucked yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. I watched the the movie like years ago, and it scared the fuck out of me. Yeah, so it's I'm intrigued. It's wrong. This. Yeah. Mm, you're. Yeah. I just can't wait to hear how you feel about this. Um, I I gotta stop doing that. Genovese wanted to know what drove people to become violent and if it was related to sexuality in any way. He noted in one of his um, journals during the experiment that, or before the experiment, excuse me, most conflicts are about sexual access to ovulating females. And what? from this, yeah. yeah. He sounds like an idiot. <laughs> so part of it was that he had... Something was added in one of the sources that I read about, like, how it related to the human experience. So I don't know if he was hypothesizing this from the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. But it didn't say anything specific like that. But in my mind, if he's thinking about it in the human experience, he's he's also thinking about it in the animal kingdom. Which would make sense because, obviously, males tend to fight and do... um, as I think I was saying, basically, I'm, I'm thinking that it should have had something added in there, like comparing the animal kingdom to the human experience, because male animals often do rituals to be able to mate with the females. But okay, he didn't yeah. say that in anything I read. So basically, his hypothesis or the the experiment came from most conflicts are about sexual access to ovulating females. So, okay. yeah, I don't know, which I don't necessarily know if it's ovulating females, but just like, like that toxic masculinity thing. Sure. I, I could yeah. get that, but <clears throat> he enlisted five men and six women to board a raft where they could coexist and cohabitate while they drifted across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> what? Yeah. These people volunteered yeah. for this? So he specifically picked 10 people who were considered sexually attra- attractive. Um, and he put different ads out in different places in the world for people to volunteer. And then he picked from that. Did You'll probably get into it. I was going to ask you'll if learn got more. any kind of payment. Um, I don't have anything about that. I don't think so. I think it was just an experiment. Um... But I'll get into more of, like, some a little bit of the backstory. I couldn't find a ton, but, again, I'll go into more. Okay. Okay. Um, and, again, he specifically picked ten people who were considered sexually attractive. So when I read that, part of me was like, does the, is this guy just kind of like a kinky motherfucker and wanted to see 
five men and six women fuck on a raft. But Were, was it going to be like, sorry, I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> it's okay. If you ask um, it and I'm going to say, say something about it, I'll let you know. Okay. Um, was it just going to be the raft alone or was there going to be like a boat, like not far off, like observing them? Like what was that? I'll give you more. Okay. Genevieve loved extreme rafting and was a member of a multinational crew on Thor Heyerdahl's Two Ra Expedition, where they sailed across the Atlantic on reed rafts, so rafts made of reeds. And that experiment wanted to show the world that people of different races could cooperate efficiently and also to prove that the ancient Egyptians could have used rafts made of reed to cross the ocean to the other side. So that's a separate experiment, but it kind mm-hmm. of shows some of the background of Genovese who actually ran this experiment, um, the Akali experiment. Okay. And although he loved the extreme rafting, the aim of his experiment was to cure world violence. They Then some people called it the Peace Project as a nickname. And when selecting the participants, he put ads in various international newspapers so he could choose a crew of strangers who came from various races. So he was trying to prove that all these people could be put in a group and no matter their background, they could make it work. Okay. Yes. When boarding the raft, each person was assigned a job and I have a list of each person's name, a little bit about them. And what their job was. Um, And when I say a little bit about them, I mean a little bit. Did you say how big the raft was? Not yet. Okay. Yes. Um, So the first person was Genovese himself, Santiago Genovese. He was a 49-year-old male. um, And he was the Mexican anthropologist who devised the experiment. So he went on the raft with them to Mm. study them. The next was Jose... Maria Montero Perez, a 34-year-old male, and he was a Uruguayan Uruguayan (laughs) anthropologist and former former student of Genovese. Um, And then there was Servan Zanati. I suck with names. Servan Zanati a 32-year-old female who was French, and she was responsible for conducting a study on pollution, and she was a scuba diver. So when he was picking these people, he wanted them to be of different backgrounds, sexually attractive, and have different, like, strengths and capabilities to assist with other portions of the experiment to make sure that the people could survive on the raft. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. As it was floating across the Atlantic. I'll get more into that as well. <laughs> the next person was Charles Anthony. He was um, 37 years old. who, And he was a Greek Cypriot radio operator. Rashida Mazani, 23-year-old female, who was Algerian, responsible for co- conducting a study on pollution as well. Mary Gidley, a 36-year-old woman who was American with some knowledge of navigation, which I'm like, I don't know how much I'm going to rely on some knowledge of navigation. I also have some knowledge on navigation, (laughs) and I got lost in Montana. (laughs) (laughs) And they're in the open Atlantic Ocean, so 
hopefully it's better than your turn left or turn right. <laughs> that fed yeah. into that really well, and we did not plan that at all. <laughs> the next person was Faye Ev- Evangel... Nope. Evan- oh my god, I can't say names. Faye Evangelina Seymour. 23-year-old female American radio operator. So we've got two radio operators, two pollution studiers, a scuba diver, and one person with some knowledge of navigation. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Maria Bjornstam, who was a 30-year-old female captain of the expedition, and she was Swedish. Don't know how she got to be the captain, don't have a ton of background. Edna Jones, a 32-year-old female from, um, she was a Czechoslovakia resident in Israel, and she was a doctor. Then we have Bernardo Bongo, <laughs> which I love. I just think that's a great name. <laughs> that's such a good name. Bernardo Bongo. <laughs> My name is Bibi Bernardo Bongo. <laughs> Love it. He was 29, and he was an Angolian priest. So they're like, let's just throw a priest in here. This one I'm going to really struggle with. Um, Isuki Yamaki, a 29-year-old man from Japan, and he was the cameraman. So those are all the participants, including Santiago, and then there was an actual captain of the boat. Who was a separate person driving... I'm not the boat. The raft. Driving the raft. Okay. Their journey started out in Las Palmas, Spain, and ended in Cozumel, Mexico, with one stop over in Barbados in along the way. So they took one stop, and the whole journey from Las Palmas to Cozumel took 101 days. On this raft. I would lose my shit. No. Just wait until you hear this next part. The raft itself was 12 meters long and 7 meters wide, which is 39 feet long and 23 feet wide. Not big at all. Was it just like, was there any privacy or was it just like an open raft? I'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> So that's the total space of the raft, and the cabin, which was their living quarters, was 4 by 4 meters, which is 13 feet by 13 feet. That's like that's two and a half of you by two and a half of you. Yep. Yeah. It sounds like no. my living quarters when I worked on the cruise ship. It was like a small mm-hmm. closet that they shoved two people right. in. <laughs> yeah. Bas- it, yeah, basically. In this one, they had to have ten people in there. Which, I'm wondering how that helped for, like, the the weight distribution of the raft, but I don't know. (laughs) You and your fucking legs, Papa Long Legs. Um, The raft had no engines. It basically just floated, and there were sails and means for steering to try to make sure they stayed on course, but there were no engines. It was just a raft. Did they have oars? That part I don't know. I think it was just... I'm I'm oh assuming God. that they probably had some sort of lifeboat with oars, so if they needed to, like, go to shore for some reason, they could, but mm-hmm. um, there wasn't much info on that. 
When they boarded the raft, Genovese put the women on board in charge and noted in his journal, I wonder if having women in power will lead to less violence or more. Maybe men will become more frustrated when women are in charge and try to take over the power. So it was another, like, part of his experiment. Which I'm like, you're adding so many variables to this. You're not supposed to do that in experiments as far as I learned in high school science. Mm -hmm. I almost said in high school college. (laughs) In high school science. In order to learn where the conflict stems from and to prove that people of all races could have peace, the experiment needed some sort of conflict. And in order to see this conflict, Genovese took things into his own his own hands. He took away almost all opportunities for privacy, even making the restroom open for all to see. So you basically would have to take a shit through a hole on the open deck. And these were these were just volunteers. Like, were they told that this is what it was going to be like? I, here's the thing. When I was researching this, I found a lot about the experiment itself and not enough about the people and their voices from it. I found a little bit. That's okay. But yeah, I do think I can. I have an opportunity for another resource. Um, there is a I would love documentary to hear from them. Yeah about it and they did interview some of them and that's where I got a little bit (coughs) excuse me um but there wasn't a lot to read so I I'm gonna have to watch the documentary and then probably do an update episode or like a little update blip on an episode because I want to hear more but I'm assuming that they probably signed some sort of waiver that was like anything goes yeah or it was the 70s who knows but all that, all the privacy was taken away. They all slept together. They had to shit in a hole through the through the deck of the raft. It was open for all to see. There were other notes that were like, if people, because he put them all, quote unquote, sexually attractive people on there, if people wanted to have sex, they either just did it in front of everyone or waited till everyone was asleep and like snuck out of the cabin, which wasn't really that private anyways, to the deck or did it in the cabin. So he removed, he wanted no privacy because he wanted to see if that would create more conflict. This sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. They were denied any reading material and had to fill out surveys and forms so Genovese could track their moods to see if their feelings and aggressions lined up with each other, lined up with anything specific, especially the moon phases and the tides. Okay. This this experiment is honestly wild and it's completely out of left field all over the place. Like it's there's no like streamlined method to this at all and I think that's part of what makes it so wild. Yeah, like I'm I was going to ask why does it have to be a raft, but you said he's like an extreme rafter, so he's like really into yes. that. So it makes sense why he picked mm-hmm. that, but like there's so many other things and I, you could have done. Right. And I could understand making it be the raft because okay, the, there's the raft. It doesn't have any engines. You're floating, so you can only go as fast as the wind and the currents allow. And then you have to figure out how to survive. But he just keeps adding more things to, like, make it more chaotic. I don't know if he was really just, like, having fun or if he was more like a mad scientist or what. But yeah, um, at one oh point... God. The captain of the raft suggested pulling into a port along their way because there was an incoming hurricane. 
but Genevieve's worried that this would ruin his experiment, so he took control of the raft from the captain and basically sailed through the storm. From what I read, it didn't really, like, fully hit them, but they got some of the hurricane. I was going to say, you know what would ruin an experiment on a raft in the ocean? A hurricane. A hurricane and everyone dying, including probably you. Oh, my you. God. Yeah. So, it's, but I didn't read anything about anyone passing. They all lived. So, because to, he wanted his study to be about the conflict, he kind of just decided that he was going to wreak havoc. In fact, all of the problems that arose on the mission were caused by Genovese, who was the actual creator of the experiment. So the experiment, the point of it was to see what conflict arose because of these people from different backgrounds, and he wasn't seeing enough of it, so he just created some himself. So that just, like, that just cancels everything out that happened. Exactly. It derails the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. All ten of the people who signed up realized that he was trying to sabotage them and overthrew him. So they basically said, fuck you, you're not in charge of this anymore. And they all considered murdering him because of how crazy it got. Now, I couldn't find how far into the journey they were at this point, um, but they were ready to kill him. And in the documentary created about the experiment, one of the surviving members said that everyone planned to put their hands on a knife and plunge it into him so everybody was guilty. We would wrap him in a sheet, carrying carry him over the railing, and drop him in. So they were going to group murder him so no one would feel guilty. It would all be a group thing and then just send him off to sea. I... I can't say I blame them. Like, I've seen, right. you know, survivors that were lost at sea for that long. I mean, granted, they weren't necessarily lost at sea, but, like, that will make you go insane. Yes. And, like... And and it's he's basically causing this. Like, you are... Yeah. You, put these, you brought these people here, and some of the people wanted to go there for very specific reasons, which I'll get into in a little bit, but you decide to basically make them want to fight or try to make them have issues. And you think that all 10 of them are gullible enough not to know that it's you and not expect to have any issues. Yeah. You're on a raft. People are going to figure it out. Right. You're making them shit through a hole into the open ocean in front of everyone. I would also want to kill you at that point. Yeah, me too. Papa Poo Poo needs her privacy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, mm-mm. no, yeah. I can't even stand being around people I love for that long. I need everyone needs a break, you know, definitely. Yeah. Um, let's see. After being overthrown, Genovese retreated below deck where he collapsed into a depression. Oh, no. He basically Poor sat Genevieve. on the lower deck and, or like, retreated under, like, below deck and just cried. What a bitch. Right. Like, what a little baby. Like, 
every not everyone had sex and they didn't all want to kill each other. They wanted to kill you, so you're gonna cry. Think I think like you that just you had uh, fantasy and like disguised it as an experiment and got mad when right. it didn't work out. Right. I'd like to sit him down and say, "What is your actual hypothesis for this experiment?" Because it doesn't seem like you have one. It started yeah. at I want to. Um, I think that most fights are over sexually. No, I'm sorry. I think that most fights are over ovulating females. And then I think that people of all races can actually get along. And then I love extreme rafting. And then the Egyptians can could have sailed across the sea on reed rafts. Like, it's really all over the place. And I'm sincerely questioning this man's mental stability. Same. Yeah, I was reading, and every source I read had basically the same information, but with different, like, a little bit more detail. And the more I read, I was like, what the fuck? So when I first read about it, after I found the reality show, I was like, why did they make a reality show based off this? But I'll get into that more as well, and it makes more sense. Okay. So I, I said I was chomp stalking, just so everyone knows. Haley and I call Chapstick Chomp Stock. So as, as I said, he was overthrown. He cried like a baby. And it was worsened when he heard the news that his university no longer wanted to be associated with him. And there were rumors and stories all over the news and in the newspapers and, like, everywhere about the boat. So, like, he – because of the way he kind of conducted the experiment and specifically picked, like, sexually attractive people – there were a lot of yeah. rumors going around. And the headlines frequently called the vessel the sex raft with speculations regarding orgies and other quote-unquote scandalous sexual activities. Because he pre basically presented it as like, I'm going to get some sexy people, I'm going to put them on a boat, and I'm going to make them shit in a hole, and they're all going to fuck each other. Oh my god. <laughs> like, it just, the whole way he went about it was absolutely fucking insane. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they they got back, got off the boat. No one died, thank God. Eh, he lived, which is neither here nor there, I suppose. But the question is, was the experiment a failure or a success? Faye, one of the participants, argues it was a great success, even though the anthropologist slash experimenter Genovese couldn't see it. He was so focused, um, she said, he was so focused on the violence and conflict, but he had it in right in his hands. We started out <clears throat> as them and us, and then we be and then all of us became we. Like yeah, we all came together ag right against him. So that's beautiful, yes the it is beautiful. Like, the experiment worked. Like, they all saw one common threat and came together. But it yeah. was against him. So, yeah. he almost, like, screwed himself by throwing him in to the experiment. And mm -hmm. honestly, I, I feel like a true scientist or experimenter would never put himself in the mix. Because that's automatically, or I'm sorry, themselves into the mix. Because it's not... It's automatically going to make you want to get certain results because you're trying to prove a hypothesis. So you're going to skew the data and screw the people, which then will screw yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
<sighs> That's wild. It's absolutely insane. Um, and Marcus Linden, or Lindine, excuse me, was the director of the documentary film that was titled The Raft, which was based on the experiment, as I stated previously. And he said, if only Genevieve had listened to why people were on the raft. One of the um, volunteers, Mary, was escaping an abusive husband. All of the racism Faye had suffered. If he had learned all of that, he would have learned about the consequences of violence and how sometimes we can overcome it by overcoming our differences. Yeah. So instead of looking at it for people to come together he wanted to create the conflict yeah it was like he was wasn't excited enough about what was happening and needed to see something like some violence or something and it was and like i like i said i read a little bit more and like some of these people were really trying to do something new to change their life and mary who let me scroll up a little bit here Mary Gidley, the American, with some knowledge of navigation. I'm sorry for laughing at her. Um, she was escaping an abusive relationship. So, yeah. like, if he if he had only actually learned more about them and not just been like, I want you to fuck and I want you to fight, he might have gotten some better data and a better result instead of almost yeah. being stabbed and float and given a Viking funeral. Yeah, he's lucky they didn't kill him, and I wouldn't blame them if they did. Right, right. Um, So, we've obviously been talking, but this is to you poppies as well. Like, what do you think? I'd really love to hear some takes. Was this experiment a success, a failure, or somewhere in between? Because I do think it was somewhere in between. And his question about peace and people getting along, I think that part was a success but everything else was a complete failure i think it was a a most it was mostly a success because they banded together and like protected each other it sounds like right and nobody died so that's a success i would say yeah um yeah if that was like an experiment (laughs) Yeah, he sounds insane overall, and if that were an experiment for something else that was, like, in a lab, it would absolutely be thrown right the fuck out the window. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's insane, though. Mm Mm-hmm. And I learned about this because all of a sudden we were on Discovery, like I said, and we found a new um, reality show, which is called Survive the Raft. It's brand new, it just came out, and it's... 10 people, but I think it's five men, five women. And it is on a raft and they are sailing. Um, I can't Mm -hmm. remember where, but it's only for 21 days and they have somewhat better living conditions. Like they, they do all have to sleep together. Um, but it's like the beds are like feet facing each other. So you have a little bit more privacy and at the beginning you'll have to, if you watch it, you'll get more details and, um, at the beginning, they like have to get provisions and do all of this. And they, what they do is they bring ten people from different backgrounds. There are there's a one of the first things that I remember when we were watching it, and everyone is introducing themselves. There was a white lady who called herself a Karen. There was a black guy who was a 
pastor. There was um, a Muslim woman. There was a black, another black woman who was more like fight the power. There was a country hit guy. Like they were all different backgrounds, different beliefs, and they put them on there to see if that really affects how they're doing it. And I, I think it's a really cool experiment in that version of it, not the other one. Yeah, the Akali. Yeah, no. Um, the boat, the the raft they have is called the Akali Two, I believe. And it's honestly a really good show. It's it's a comp. It turns into a competition show. Oh, and there's one guy who's trans, um, but he doesn't come out until later. But I could kind of. I don't want to say. I don't know. I could just. I had a vibe from his, yeah. from him. Not he because he looks 100% man. Like not that you have to be trans or be valid or whatever. But most of the people on the raft did not know. So, yeah. it, and I really liked that he didn't put that out at first because they were like, what? And they just, it, it really shows like how people just don't get it with trans people. But anyways, I'm, I'm Definitely. diverging from the but, actual topic. No, no, you're good. I w I'm going to diverge more. I, that reminded me of a couple years ago on Christmas day, Madison and I were binging survivor and I'm pretty sure one of one of the people was trans and they got outed by somebody else because that person was pissed at them or something. I don't know. Oh my god, that and it made Dude, me want to cry because everybody everybody stood up for them and like mm -hmm. they were like, No, that's fucked up what you did, like and right. I think they voted that person off, if I'm being They did. If my I saw serves. The first time I heard of that, I think I saw a clip of it on TikTok, just a very short one, and I went and found the episode and watched it. Mm -hmm. And basically, the guy was like, well, how can I know to, that I can trust you because you're trans? And he was trying to explain it away, like, if you can lie about this and that, that has nothing to do with anything. I can never imagine outing somebody like that. Like, No, as, unless you. you're sleeping with me, that's none of my fucking business. Exactly. No. And I, I did that. There was one lady on there who fucking came at that guy who outed the other guy. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just kiss her on the forehead and be like, you're an angel because he deserved to be torn a new asshole. And then he yeah, immediately started like, the, backtracking. The host. Didn't the host, the host even like went in yes. on him and was like, yes, which is beautiful. I love that everybody yeah. did, did that for that person. So. Right. Especially when the host is supposed to be kind of like non-biased, but was really like, mm -hmm. what the fuck are you doing? You think that people aren't going to trust him simply because you outed him, which makes you the non-trustworthy person? Exactly. exactly. Like, it's not like he was hiding six coconuts under his pillow. It's the, it's not the same. It, not the same, bro. So, but no, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if that was a reference. It's I haven't watched it since like 2020, so. <laughs> no, it wasn't a reference. I just came up with that in my brain, like hoarding resources. <laughs> um, but that was the first thing that came to my mind, which honestly sounds extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, it does. But yeah, I don't know the whole that was wild. I can't wait to watch the documentary and then report more on it because it is extremely wild. I definitely want to hear more from, like, the people who are on the raft, if you can find yeah. that. That'd be really cool. I definitely will. And if I, it's just sometimes it's so hard with certain things to find actual clips and stuff unless it's, like, mm -hmm. I, a true crime thing a lot of the time. So I had to do a lot of reading. Um, my sources are Wikipedia, 
Meaw. I don't know. It's M-E-A-W-W. It probably stands for something, but I don't have it written down. Forbes. Um, the International Documentary Association. And The Guardian. So nice. I, of course, will share those. And I'm going to try to find a link to The Raft. Um Maybe I'll share it later, though, so no one watches it before I let them know more info, because I feel like I just really discovered something. I'm sure other people have seen the show. If you have seen the new show, Survive the Raft, let me know, because I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, Specifically on CJ, I don't think I like him very much. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I just, the whole thing was wild. I was like, as soon as I heard of it, I was like, okay, I need to look into this, because the idea of shoving that many people on a boat to just drift even for 21 days. And then I found out this was 101 and more about like when I first looked it up, I, I looked up like the Akali experiment and it said something like the sex raft, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I need to get into this. And then as soon as I did, it was like episode topic. Haley must hear this on the pod. (laughs) It was, I was very, very fucking proud of myself. Thank you. So that's a good topic. That is the, a collie experiment, poppies. Um, I'm fidgeting a lot right now because I am having sensory overload. Oh, no. Um, yes, I'm starting to get a headache, so I'm probably going to take some Advil in a moment. But I hope that you enjoyed that story, everyone. I know Haley did, and I, I, I tried to give as much detail as I could with what I could find. I'm learning how to research better. Um, without doing like an annotated bibliography and going to like the resource section of the library because I use um, you did Google. <laughs> but if you would like to share your thoughts, you can do so. Um, I'm sorry, do you have anything to add before I close this out? Um, I did want to mention what we were talking about earlier, what I found out last night. Yes, yes, I'm so sorry um, for almost cutting you off, but no. yes, Haley no, has something to share with us. Um, I'll Since you're going to talk more, I will say trigger warning for um, unaliving suicide, self-harm, mental health, and... Addiction. Um, yes. Yeah. And so... I'll let Haley take it from here. I lost a an old friend of mine last night, um... I hadn't seen him for many years. I am going to keep him nameless. I was going to reach out to his sister, but it felt too soon to be like, hey, can I talk about your brother on my podcast? Like, it just felt icky to me. So, Mm -hmm. um, anyways, uh, yeah, he, uh, he killed himself last night and I don't know. I've been thinking about it all day and I had so many things I want to say and now I'm just like. Zoning out, um, it's, it hit me a lot today. Like, I cried a lot today at work. Um, he was one of a kind. Um, I met him right after I moved to Florida, and I was living alone, and uh, my self-esteem was at, like, negative six billion, and... I even kind of, like, pushed him away for a little bit because I was like, I want to continue isolating. I'm depressed. Like, leave me alone. And he, like, Mm -hmm. bashed his way into my life. And I'm so glad he did. Um, Because he, like, he accepted me as I was. He didn't care that I was so quiet and just, like, 
reserved. He just like loved me and accepted me as I was. And him and his partner at the time, they literally, I was thinking about it last night. They literally saved my life because I probably would have continued isolating and just hating my life. Uh, and I just wish that, uh, someone could have done that for him. Yeah. I wish I could have done that for him. I wish I would have reached out more, but, um, um, I also wanted to say if, uh, if we've ever been friends at any point and like lost touch or like, even if it was like a bad separation, uh, if you ever need anything or like need help, reach out to me literally anytime. I will help you in any way that I can. And if I can't help you, I will point you in the direction of someone who can because mm -hmm. I didn't expect to cry. Uh, it's okay. Um, I hadn't, I mean, we'd spoken on and off in the past few years, but I haven't seen him in a long time. He was planning to visit in January. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like I'm far removed from the pain of this. Like, I can't even imagine what his family's feeling. So, like, if you're struggling, know that there are people out there that love you. Like, people you haven't spoken to. Like, I love you. Yeah. And <laughs> just people... reach out. I know that one of, like, the really intrusive thoughts that you can have um, during suicidal times or suicidal ideations is that people would be better off without you. And I can say that 100% of the time, that's not true. Yeah. It would be... It's not about the other people. It's about you and needing getting the help that you want, but... No one's ever thinking that they wish that you would not be on this earth anymore and you don't deserve to feel like that. And those are just those fucking pesky, irritating, ir irrational, intrusive thoughts. And yeah. if you're having those as hard as, as hard as it is, one text, one call, one email, whatever, I need help. Someone can be there, whether it be us or a, a hotline or an old friend that you haven't talked to in a while or an old teacher or an aunt or an uncle, literally anyone, even just to point you in the right direction to someone who has the capabilities to help get you the yeah. help that you need. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's tough. And I wanted to say to you, Haley, I, I understand that feeling of feeling like he was there for you and you didn't get to be there for him. But truly, when people are really at that point, that's the time you really don't know. And there was no yeah. way anyone could have because when it gets to that point, you don't, they don't tell people. Yeah. It's just he that's like the he decision. Was doing okay. and, like he struggled yep. for a really long time with like. Things that are nobody's business but his and his family's, but he seemed like he was doing better, and then all of a sudden, he was just gone. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of the time that is the case. Um, I've 
listened to some podcasts and done like some research and I just found this information kind of organically where people who are suicidal, when they finally make their decision to complete suicide, they get like a high because they know that the pain that they're feeling is finally going to end. So it's very complicated because you can't know. It seems to get better and then it just goes straight yeah. downhill. Yeah, it's it's just a, a, a... What's the word I want to use? I guess for lack of a better word, a psychological thing where they just know that it's all going to be over soon. So they get a boost of serotonin and these happiness chemicals in their brain mm-hmm. because they finally feel that joy that or that hope that they didn't have before that it's going to be over so there's no way you could know and I I know that that doesn't help or do anything but I want to remind you of that because it's not your fault it's not your responsibility um and I understand and think it's completely valid that you feel the way that you do because I would feel the exact same way and any person with a heart as big as yours would feel that way so I'm sorry yeah. so sorry that you're hurting and to his family, I'm so sorry that you're hurting, and I'm so sorry to him, and I hope he his spirit is free to move on to whatever's next. Yeah. I would have been there for him in an instant. I know. And it's oh. possible that he didn't want any help, you know? We, yeah. we don't know, but that suicide is such a complicated thing because it leaves you with so many questions. Yeah. Um, so I ask all of you poppies to turn on, uh, your favorite Britney Spears song uh, (laughs) for this, because he was a huge Britney Spears fan, and, uh, oops, 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 I did it again, I play with your heart, got lost in the game, oh baby, baby, that was my small, very terrible tribute. (laughs) Um, I think in January, um, at the time that he was going to be visiting, I'm going to go to the beach and just listen to, uh, all the Britney Spears songs. (laughs) And dance on the beach? Yeah. Fuck yes. Dude, you know how happy his soul is going to be Mm -hmm. knowing that that's happening. Like, I know it's kind of corny and a little cliche and I'm not a religious person, But I do believe that our essence, our energy, our spirit, our soul, whatever you want to call it, does go on. And that portion of that that was with this lifetime or this plane or this world, whatever, does linger with the people in your life. And it's almost like all seeing. So when you're doing that, he's going to know that and feel your love. Yeah, can't wait. (laughs) Can't, Can't wait to dance to Britney Spears. It's probably going to be cold as fuck, but I'm going to do it anyways. The dancing will warm you up. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted to pay tribute to him. Yeah. Um, I remember you telling me about him a few times and just how much fun you had with him and how, like, you told me multiple times how he was, like, your shining light at that point. Yeah. With how Him and his partner were. were mm-hmm. Him and his partner at the time were the people that I needed. And I'm glad that I got to know them. 
Yes. And like you said, even though you weren't as close, you still connected. But I truly believe that sometimes people come into your life for a reason and for the season, for whatever that saying is, where you needed that and you needed that friend. And I think if you were still in Florida, maybe it would be different, but it's totally natural for people to grow apart, not necessarily because they don't love each other or because they're different, but just because life fucking happens. Yeah, we just had our own lives and like we would talk on and off and he was Mm -hmm. always very supportive, just, you know, on social media and stuff and he was just the best. I don't think I'll ever meet anybody else like him. So, yeah. And I'm sure you did the same for him. I hope so. You know, the, the supportive. So, and I think sometimes that means almost more because they know that the little, that you're thinking of those little things or like all of a sudden you get like a nice comment or like a heart react from someone you haven't talked to in a while. It's like, oh, they still care about me. So don't think he didn't know that. He mm-hmm. just probably had so yeah. many other thoughts that, you know. Definitely. But, but thank you for I'm sorry I almost cut that, that off. Uh, of course. No, you're good. Uh, hug your loved ones and remember what I said. If you need anything, I will do anything for just about anybody. So yes. stay yes. around. Same. Stick around. Stick around. I have been there. Uh, It does get better. I know that sucks to hear, but it truly does. Um, Listen to um, some Noah Khan and cry and punch a wall and like meditate and just like, you got this. I believe in you. Yes. And as scary as your feelings can be, you need to feel them. And let them yes. out because it will help. And if I could recommend something to people, if you're able to get a pet, whether yes. it be a fish, a dog, a cat, a guinea pig, whatever, think about taking care of that. It gives you a purpose and also gives you something to connect with. And um, in my times where I've had hard times, I think about my dogs or my now it would be cats too, but specifically back then, my dog never mm-hmm. seeing me again. And it's not to make yeah. you feel guilty. It's to make you know that even if it's a pet, someone, something loves you unconditionally and needs you to be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that goes for your pet, your friends, everyone. You don't know the difference you could make one day. And it's hard to fucking hear that. And it's cliche. And sometimes you just want to punch people in the goddamn head, but it is 1000% true coming from two people who have been through those stages and periods of their life. Yes. Um, And I'm going to, well, it's your episode, so I can send you some like resources and stuff and um, you guys can always message us. Um. Oh, and you know what, too? Yeah. I In my personal bio, um, I have um, a link with – or a, uh, I guess a link to more links with all of – a bunch of different things. It it gets better. Um, 
the Trevor Project for LGBTQIA plus people and youth especially. But you know what? We I'm going to create one for our Educate Me Papa bio as well, and we will link some more resources if it's easier for you to go that way instead of having to reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. <laughs> like we said, reach out to us, and you can do that on Instagram. Instagram? Instagram. Instagram me, Papa. Instagram me. Cram me into a raft, Papa. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. Please don't, Papa. Um, shit. You can message us, and you will end up finding that link here soon. Um, at Educate Me Papa on Instagram. On Facebook at Educate Me Papa dash the podcast. And then we always have our email, which is Educate Me Papa at gmail.com. And yeah. as always, I want to say thank you, Haley, for sharing and being vulnerable with us. And I love you and I'm here for you. And I know I talk a lot. I'm That's really my way of trying to be supportive. Um, <laughs> and to all of our poppies, once again... Thank you, for thank, you for listening. thank 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 you for listening.